0: welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Played a different video today because we're wrapping up the series that we've called "Who's Your One." Uh, today, uh, that was uh, Johnny Hunt. Most of you probably have heard uh, a little bit about who, who Johnny is. He used to pastor in the Wilmington area. He's actually served as president of the Southern Baptist Convention in the past, also. And uh, he's one that was uh, central in in trying to bring about this emphasis entitled title: "Who's Your Your One." Uh, Just because I'm saying today's the last message in the series, we need to guard against something. That doesn't mean that because this series is over with, your responsibility and my responsibility to share the gospel is over with. Do you understand that? I I hope maybe you've already shared the gospel with your one. I hope, in fact, you've already led your one to Christ. And if you have done that, please let us know because we want to celebrate that. Uh, and if you haven't done it yet and, and you get the opportunity to, to share the gospel with whoever you wrote down as your one, uh, then please let us know, especially if if they receive Christ as their Savior. Let us know. Like I said, we want to be able to celebrate that with you, or we won't be able to pray for you more. If you're struggling and maybe you've had the chance to share your faith with them and they've not uh, believed in Christ just yet, let us know so we can kindly uh, remember them in prayer with you. And if you do win your one to Christ, here's the deal with that. That simply means it's time to go to your next one (laughs) and your next one and your next one and your next one. Because I believe that we have an obligation placed upon our lives as believers to share the gospel from now until Jesus takes us home to be with him. From from now until the the rapture happens, I think we're under an obligation to share the, the gospel. So as we finish up this series today, here's the title. The title is A Story of Hell. Now, before you push back a lot, as soon as I said that, you might have thought to yourself, man, I got out of bed this morning, I rolled out of bed, and I thought to myself, i hope when I get to church today, the pastor preaches about hell. I understand that's typically not what we look to listen to. But the sad reality is the Bible teaches there's a real place called hell. Amen. Just as much as there's a real place called heaven, there's a real place called hell. And Jesus had a lot to say about that real place called hell. And whether we like it or not, it is still a real place. Some of you have been around here a while. You've heard me say something similar to this before. I, I can't stand cancer. I hate the reality of cancer. I've seen cancer affect my own family. I've seen cancer over the years I've been in the ministry affect church members uh, or their family members, you know, that I love. So I, I hate cancer, and probably you do too. But just because we hate it and have a disdain for cancer doesn't do away with the reality of cancer. I don't especially care for snakes. As far as that goes, you can help me finish the statement. The only snake is a dead snake. Amen. But just because I dislike the reality of snakes doesn't mean that does away with the reality, the fact that they exist in our world. And guys, like it or not, the Bible teaches there is a real place called hell. So don't turn off what I'm saying because it's an uncomfortable topic. If you want to crank up and awkward conversation with people, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, One, start talking about politics. You know, that'll probably get the job done, especially in this day and time. And two, if you come across saying that there's only one way To forgiveness, there's only one way to the presence of God, only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ exclusively, and if you go on to say, and everyone that rejects Christ as their Savior spends eternity in hell, I guarantee you, you've probably cranked up an awkward conversation with people in public. But, while there are a lot of other things we might like to talk about, the truth of the matter is this, the reality of hell ought to motivate us. To do what we've been talking about for all these weeks that we've talked about who's your one. Because the reality of people dying lost and spending eternity in hell ought to be something that haunts us and motivates us to share the the gospel with them. We're going to be in Luke 16, but before we get there, I want to set uh, what I view as a better context to what I think the Bible teaches about hell, So we're going to be in Mark to begin with. And in Jesus, as he's teaching here in Mark, he uses the word Gehenna in the Greek for hell. And the word Gehenna talks about the lake of fire. I'll actually read about that later near the end of the message. And that's the hell for eternity. When we get in Luke 16, Jesus will use the word that's translated in the version that we that I'm using today, the ESV, is translated Hades. Some translations say hell. But we need to understand, I think, a progression in a background that takes place. Well, let me read this and then we'll talk about that a little bit more. This is Jesus talking. He says some pretty serious stuff. He, he said, For if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus, when he's saying this, I think actually has in mind the Valley of Hinnom because the word Gehenna is built off of the same word for the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was the garbage dump in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And in that day and time, it's not like a garbage dump today. They weren't constantly coming and trying to bury stuff under the ground. All the refuse of the city of Jerusalem, all the dead animals and and carcasses and dung and things like that, all, all of that was thrown out in that valley. And there was a constant smoke and a constant fire going up. And the worm was active all the time. The maggots and stuff we don't like to think about were there eating those dead bodies all the time. Jesus in another place talking about hell even talked about it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that maybe comes from the imagery of, of the Valley of Hinnom because the dogs would go there into that garbage dump and they would, they would fight and they would gnash their teeth and fight each other over the remains that, that was in that valley. So, so Jesus uses that, that garbage dump as a, as a picture of hell. And there he's talking about the, the hell for all eternity. In Luke 16, the story that we're going to read speaks of the hell for now, or Hades, as I used the word a moment ago. And and that's the place of departed souls. Now, guys, people have differences of opinion. I'm just going to tell you what I think the Bible teaches. But I think the Bible teaches this, that when people died without faith in God, they went to Hades, and that's a place of torment, Those who had faith in God went to paradise. The Bible teaches that between the time that Jesus was crucified and died on the cross and he took his life back up, he went there and he proclaimed the victory. He went there and he led the captivity free that was there. But now in this dispensation that we live in, You and I don't go to a place called paradise, and I'll read a verse to prove that in a in a few moments. We go right straight to be in the presence of the Lord. But get this picture, this full picture, I think of what the Bible says about hell. There's a hell for now. There's a hell where souls depart, and they're kept, and you'll see them in it as I read the scripture, they're kept in torment. It's not a fun place to go. And the only opportunity anyone that dies lost that goes to the hell for now, that goes to Hades, the only opportunity they will ever have to get out of Hades is at the great white throne judgment when they're brought forth and they're judged before God and then they're cast into the lake of fire forever. Now, that's what I think the Bible teaches. Look with me in Luke 16. As a matter of fact, I know you hate to probably stands for something like this, but let's, uh, let's still stand in honor of God's word as we read this story by the way, that Jesus tells. (laughs) I'm assuming Jesus knows what he's talking about. Amen? Amen. There's a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. In other words, maybe that's all his life was about. I think it's the picture we're given. And at his gate, there was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. We're not told the rich man gave him the crumbs. We just are told he desired that. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in in Hades, or the hell for now. Being in torment, He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that when you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner, bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And then Abraham responded. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. Not a popular topic, not a popular story, but it's a story of hell. And it's a story that ought to motivate us To share the gospel. And that's been our focus for all these weeks. And if you'll be seated, I'll explain to you why. Here's why a story of hell should motivate us. According to the Bible, there are only two eternal destinations. According to Jesus, according to the Bible, there are only two eternal destinations. I know in our world, people will propose different philosophies such as reincarnation. You know, you you die, you're reincarnated, you get a a reboot and maybe another chance to to advance yourself in the next level. The Bible says nothing about reincarnation. I'll address purgatory in a moment, but Catholicism teaches that, you know, you go to to purgatory, people that aren't really right with God, and somehow they can do penance while they're in purgatory and, and somehow earn their way out hell the bible says nothing about that anywhere about purgatory there are only two eternal destinations and jesus addresses both of them here you want to talk about the good one first there's eternity in heaven Uh, another way to view that is is think about you're you're in the presence of god forever he he said there in the first part verse 22 the poor man died it was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Abraham, the Bible says, is the friend of God. God called him his friend. And Abraham, of course, had faith in God. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches he believed God and was counted in for righteousness. So Abraham had faith of God, and he's being in this place of paradise at this point in time. Jesus will lead everyone that was in paradise free between the cross and between the resurrection. But in this picture of Abraham, you could view it like this. It's really a, a picture of being in the presence of God. Now for us in this day and time on the other side of the cross, here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body. Notice this and beware at home with the Lord. Guys, we ought to celebrate that because if you know Christ as your Savior, the instant you die, you go right straight to be in the presence of the Lord. We don't go to paradise as they, as they once did. I want you to notice some things about this story. This poor man has suffered in life. He, he had faced hunger in life. He had evidently faced being ignored by, by this you know, rich man who he set by his gate that could have helped him in some way. It seemed like the only compassion this poor man would get because of the sores would be the dogs coming to to lick his sores because whether we like the thought of that or not, there is something antiseptic about that. They've actually proved that. So the dogs would have compassion on him where somebody else wasn't having compassion on him. And evidently, this poor man was a, Man of faith. In other words, he, he wasn't taken to be in the presence of Abraham, representing the presence of God, simply because he's poor. He was taken there because he must have been a person of faith. Which leads me to give you a little bit of a side message, and that is this. No matter how bad your life may be, no matter how much you may feel a deficit for things in your life and have need in your life, no matter how much suffering you may go through in your life, If you know Christ as your Savior, heaven awaits you. Amen? Comfort awaits you. This poor man is now comforted there. So no matter what you're going through today or what you'll go through next week or next year or what you've already been through, if you know Christ as your Savior, comfort awaits you. Eternal comfort awaits you. The Bible speaks in many places about a believer being in the presence of God forever. Here's just a couple. One is we get a picture that Jesus told of the, the nations being judged in Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and here at the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Another one is John 3.16 that we all know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? What does it say? Have eternal life. Jesus teaches that heaven is a real place. But like it or not, Jesus also teaches there's only one other place of eternal destination. And it's a place called hell. Eternity in hell, which you can think about it in these terms also. That's eternity separated from God. I'll say a little bit more about that in a few moments. But guys, as bad as all the other descriptions are of the things in hell, I wouldn't want to suffer and go through all those things. You wouldn't either. But I'll tell you something else I wouldn't want to experience. I wouldn't want to be separated from the presence and the love of God forever. Would you? Would you? And yet he talks about this being a real place. Verse 22, the second part of it, and the first part of verse 23. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades, in the hell for now, in the place where those souls are placed, waiting in final judgment. This rich man that could have made a huge difference in the life of the poor beggar at the gate in his home didn't. This rich man that appeared maybe to only trust in his wealth, in luxurious lifestyle that could bring him, he didn't seem to have thoughts of need in his own life or thoughts of need in the life of others, whether physically or spiritually. And evidently, this man was not a man of faith. You see, he didn't go to hell, to the hell for now, because he was rich. That's not the problem. The problem is implied here. He did not have faith in God. He did not have a relationship with God. And he winds up in Hades, the hell for now. I read a moment ago a part that talks about as the nations were being judged and, and, and Jesus saying, you know, come you, that this kingdom that, that God has prepared for you from the beginning of time. Just maybe this rich man's life describes what Jesus said in another part of that story in Matthew 25, verse 41 through 46. Then he Said to those on his left, apart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, that, that's who hell was really prepared for. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they'll also answer and say, well, Lord, when we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So this rich man had walked past that man in his gate. Maybe this gives us a description of of what his life was about. Then, Then look at verse 46. And these will go away into, what does it say? Eternal punishment. Once again, Jesus is teaching this. Jesus is talking. But the righteous into eternal life. There's no such thing as a reboot. There's no such thing as other levels of heaven that you can attain to. There's no such thing as just flaming a divine spark in your life until you attain your own Godhood. There's no such thing as not being right with God, dying and getting an opportunity, a place called Purgatory, to maybe, you know, work through penance and work through some of that and and somehow get out of, of Hades, get out of purgatory and, and and go to heaven. The Bible says nothing about that. The Bible only talks about two eternal destinations. And with that in mind, as much as I know we hate to think about it, let's talk a little bit about what this place called hell looks like. Hell is a place of eternal suffering, it appears to me from what the Bible says. Jesus said this rich man was in Hades, being a torment. Lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out and said, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus just to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm in anguish in this flame. <clears throat> some of the words from the Greek that Jesus used here, some of the original language, that phrase being a torment means this. Being under, being under in a permanent condition. Being underneath in a fixed position, existing in a fixed position. The idea of torment has the notion of going to the bottom. It, it referred to a touchstone. Which is a stone that a goldsmith would use to heat the metal and, and get it to a, a mold and form and then take a, a hammer or a mallet and form it into the shape that, that he wants it to be. And that description was also used as a picture of torment or torture. So that's what's being presented to us. Some suffering is taking place there. He, he cried out for mercy. And that literally means he's just crying out for some compassion. He, he wants that one drop of water on his tongue to cool it. That means to refresh or, or cool down. The, being anguish in this flame means to grieve, once again, in a fixed position. Because he's in literal fire. He's in a flash. He's in a flame. He's in a blaze. You see, existence in hell, as told by Jesus, is much more than mental anguish. I believe mental anguish is part of it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus describes it as a real Place of physical anguish that a person goes to and they're there for all eternity. Jesus describes hell as a place of real suffering. Even Hades that he describes today, the hell for now, the hell for people who go there waiting in that final judgment. Even there in Hades, there was pain and suffering. And I believe there will be later in the lake of fire for all eternity in Gehenna. He's begging for mercy. He's asking for some type of relief. Can I ask you a question? A couple of questions. Do you want your one that you've written down and you've been praying for and you've been thinking about, do you want your one to suffer like that for all eternity? Do you want your lost family member or lost family members or lost friends or lost coworkers? Do you want them to suffer for all eternity the way Jesus describes this here? Can I go a little bit deeper? Would you even want your enemy, somebody that you think hates you, someone maybe for some reason you've got an issue with, would you even want your enemy to go to a place of eternal suffering? Because guys, I think if we'll be honest about this, we would say no, absolutely not to all those questions. That means we need to do something about it. We've been given the only thing that makes a difference. We've been given the gospel of Christ. That means we need to share that with our lost loved ones. I've actually heard hell preached about before in the years that I've been in the ministry, especially maybe early on when I was hanging around maybe in some different circles and stuff like that right after I've been called a priest. I've heard preachers talk about hell before in a way that made it sound like they were happy lost people would go there someday. Somewhere they missed what hell's all about. No believer should be happy that anyone should spend eternity in a place of suffering. Hell is also a place of extreme clarity. In other words, I think someone gets to hell and they'll see things a lot clearer than they've ever seen them before. You talk about a huge wake-up call <laughs> that this rich man probably had as he woke up in Hades. Verse 25 but Abraham said to him, Remember. So he's calling upon his, his memory. He, he said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he's comforted here and, and you're in anguish. He, he's calling upon this man to remember, think back. Can, can you imagine how much clarity doesn't help him any? <laughs> But how much clarity someone has in hell, even the hell for now. I had an opportunity to make a difference in that poor man's life that was starving to death and I didn't do it. I had an opportunity to be his friend. Imagine how many people in hell for all eternity have the memory Of the sermons they've heard, and the Bible studies they've heard, and the times they had an invitation to trust in Jesus as their Savior. All the times maybe they heard a message on TV or in church, or bumped into someone who talked to them about Jesus. I tell you what, I think there's going to be some people in Caldwell County who are going to get to hell. And I remember seeing James Wilfong out on the side of the road. Giving a warning with his signs and his trumpet. Imagine going to a place called hell and you've got that mental anguish. I already talked about the suffering, guys. But I believe there's going to be some mental anguish there. Because with extreme clarity, they will know what they should have done. And what they failed to do. Number four. Hell is a place, I think, of isolation, of isolation. Now, I understand there's paintings that people have done of hell and things like that, that shows, uh, you know, everyone there together and, and all. I'm not sure that's the case. But whether that's the case or not, I think I can guarantee you this. Anyone that dies lost and goes to hell will be isolated from any type of comforting relationship. There won't be any kind of relationship that's going to be a, a comforting relationship. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from here to us. So it appears to be a place of isolation. This rich man who really didn't want to be in the presence of this poor beggar at his gate, all of a sudden he's ready to fellowship with him. He's ready to hang out with him. Hey, will you just send him and let him put some water on my tongue? But Abraham clearly states that there's this great distance, a great barrier between them and no one can pass back and forth no matter how much they may want to do so. Maybe Lazarus was good hearted. Maybe he was more than willing to, you know, get over the way he'd been treated in the past. Maybe Lazarus was there thinking, let me go and I'll take some water to him. But Abraham says that can't happen because there's a distance there. And he's saying that the people that are there in this hell for now, they cannot come to us. And guys, I believe the same thing is true, not just of the hell for now of Hades, but later in Gehenna, the hell for eternity, there's isolation from any comforting relationship. Even if you know other people are there, you're not going to gain any comfort from that. I've seen people all my life that will almost make fun of hell and death in the gospel it don't matter if I trust in Jesus or not see I really don't want to because all my friends aren't going to do it and my friends are going to hell so I want to go to hell with them and we'll all be together for all eternity and we'll just have a big party and we'll be together all that time in hell forever and ever and ever I've got a wake up call for you if that's what you think Your favorite food is not going to be on the menu in hell. Your favorite beer is not going to be on the menu in hell. If it is, it's not going to be cold. It's going to be boiling hot. Your favorite drug of choice is not going to be available to you in hell. Your favorite whatever it is. See, it's not going to be a party. (laughs) It's not going to be a time. We're just going to hang out together and party forever. That's not the description that Jesus gives of hell. Where he said the weeping and gnashing of teeth, just maybe. Where he was talking about the dogs doing that and the Valley of Hinnom, just maybe. That's what people will do on each other. Even if they do know that they're there, you're not going to gain any comfort from anybody. Instead, it may be like animals fighting each other for all eternity. In the midst of that flame. No comfort in relationships in hell. Number five, hell is also a place of separation. A place of separation. Luke 16, verse 27 and 28. He said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. This... Lost rich man in hell, separated from his loved ones. Never ever to be reunited. As so I said a moment ago, there's not going to be any big eternal parties going on in hell. There's not going to be family reunions in hell either. He, he begs that someone, Lazarus. We would appear from the dead and go to his father's house and warn them about hell and warn them about the consequences of suffering there. See, hell's a place of separation from your loved ones. But, but even more tragic than that, hell's a place of separation from God. People who reject him or people who try to stay neutral to the gospel message. Bible, the Bible teaches God's holy. God loves sinners so much, guys, that he put his son on the cross for you so you don't have to go to hell. That's how much God loves you. And we live in a culture where people kind of recoil against the message of hell, against the idea of eternal punishment. And, and people say, how in the world can a loving God send anyone to hell. You see, that's not God's desire. He put his son on a cross to keep them out of there. To, to give them away to God, to give them a way for forgiveness. He, he allowed his own son to die in their place for their sin on the cross. And the truth of the matter is this I don't think God sends anyone to hell. Oh, he passes final judgment, but the person sends himself to hell. When they say no" to Jesus, no to the gospel," or even, please listen, even if you just try to stay neutral to the gospel, well, I'm not going to say yes, but I'm not going to say "no, and somehow I'm going to get by. I read to you, John 3:16 a moment ago. A lot of times we stop there and we don't read verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No, he sent him in here to die for our sins, to give you a chance, to give you hope. In order that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But catch this. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. The only thing anyone has to do to go to hell is just stay neutral. Because you're already lost. (laughs) You're already condemned in your sin. The only thing you have to do is just stay neutral. You're condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. The only reason anyone will ever spend eternity in hell separated from the love and presence of God is this. Because they never trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. They never trusted in his name, period. It's not because of all the other stuff. It's simply because they never said yes to Jesus. And... People send themselves there. Can I ask some similar questions again? Do you have loved ones that you want to be separated from for all eternity? It's hard enough when we lose them here. What about all eternity? Do you have friends? that you want to be separated from for all eternity? Coworkers? I'm asking the same thing about enemies. Do you have enemies that you want to be separated from for all eternity? Because in the middle of our frustration, we might say yes, but if you're a Christian, you better let some conviction hit your life and understand we can't have that attitude toward people. Hopefully, all of you would say no to all those questions. But here's the deal with that. If you're going to say no, I don't want my loved ones to be separated from me for all eternity. No, I, I don't want my coworkers, my friends to be separated from me all eternity. No, I don't even want my enemies to be separated from me for all eternity. If that's what you would say, then do something about it. Do something about it by trying to reach out to them with a the gospel. And when you're one, to Christ. Last thing this morning is this. Hell is a place that appears to me is void of hope. It's void of hope. Here's the response of Abraham to the request of someone to go to his father's house and warn his five brothers so they wouldn't go to a place called hell. Verse 29 through 31. But Abraham said... They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This lost man in Hades... Had a little bit of hope. Well, all right, I can't get any help. I can't get any comfort. Then then l- l- let me have some hope in this. S- send somebody to warn my brothers. But all of a sudden, that hope is gone. The hope for this lost rich man is non existence. The hope that somehow maybe. He could have been a positive godly influence on his five brothers is gone because it's too late for him to do that. As it's too late for anyone who dies lost without Christ, there's no second chance. There's no hope to get out of Hades, the hell for now, except what I said earlier at the great white throne judgment to be cast in the lake of fire forever. Your only hope this morning, if you do not know Christ as your savior, here's your only hope. You may not like it, it may not be politically correct, it may not be the conventional wisdom of the day, but before God, God struck me dead, I'm telling you the truth. The only hope you have is Jesus. The only hope you have of being forgiven of your sins, the only hope you have To get to heaven. You can't be good enough. You can't work your way through. You're not going to get a reboot later on after you die. The only chance and the only hope you have is to trust Christ as your Savior now. And if you are a Christian, the only chance you have to win your lost family members and friends to Jesus, strangers to Jesus, the only hope and opportunity you have is to do it now. Because You don't have an opportunity on the other side of death. No need to share the gospel in heaven. Everyone already knows it. That's why they're there. Abraham tells this lost rich man in hell, they have Moses and the prophets. Here's more or less what he's saying. He's saying they've got the Bible of that day. So in other words, if he wouldn't listen to the scriptures, if he wouldn't listen to the Bible of that day, it wouldn't matter if Lazarus would be raised from the dead. Guys, that's how important the scriptures are. Now that was in that day. You know what we have in this day? We've got the old and the new. We've got the full story of redemption. We have Jesus not looking forward to the fact that he would come but looking back on the fact that he did come and that he did live a perfect sinless life and that he went to the cross and that he fully paid for our sins and that he took his life back up on the third day. We've got the whole story. We've got the end of the story. Guys, we live in a time that people have more opportunity to hear the gospel than ever in history. Because you can hear it here, but we live in a day and time that we have things like didn't exist before in this story that we're reading. You can hear the gospel on television. You can hear the gospel online. You can hear the gospel on the radio. You can read the gospel on blocks. You can see a live feed like going out from here today. Be interesting how many likes we get online this week from message on hell. I'll have to track that one a little bit. We've got all the opportunity in the world to, to, to hear the gospel. And right now, guys, in America, and it may change, and that's why we need to have a wake-up call. Right now, you can share the gospel without worry, pretty much, in America. All oh, my friend might get mad at me. Well, hey, people are doing it in other parts of the world at risk of losing their life. So what if your friend gets upset with you? You think your friend's not going to be upset if he goes to hell and at the judgment seat, he looks at you and says, why didn't you tell me? Dante's Divine Comedy, some of you have heard about this before probably. By the way, they make movies, Inferno and stuff like that anymore. That's not biblical, (laughs) you know. And this was just a story, a fictional story. But Dante describes the fictional journey of the author through hell and ultimately to heaven. In the Inferno section, he describes the sign above the portal of hell, and it says this, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. It's too late for hope. No chance for hope. This morning, as we get ready to have a time of invitation... I've already said this, but the only hope you have if you don't know Christ as your Savior is Christ. It is repenting of your sin. It's admitting that what God says about you is right, that you are a sinner and you can't save yourself. The only hope you have is trusting in Jesus. Those of us that know Christ as our Savior, the only hope your lost one, whoever your one has been, that you've been praying for and thinking about, the only hope your one may have might be you sharing the gospel with them. Don't imagine, well, somebody else will do it. They may not. You're the one that wrote the name down. You're the one that's supposed to have the burden for them. You're the one that's supposed to be praying for them. You need to do it because they might Die without any hope whatsoever unless you share the gospel with him. I've alluded to the lake of fire several times, but let me read this passage in Revelation. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were open. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Is that clear enough without me describing anything else, Roman? Richard Baxter, who was an old Puritan pastor, that meant he was really old. Don't come up and ask me later if I knew him personally. I did not. (laughs) But he wrote something to his members one time about how to spend the day with God. He recommended we do this. Let God have your first awakened thoughts. In other words, when you wake up first, think about him. Not what's facing you in your day. Think about him. Lift your hearts to him reverently and thankfully for the rest enjoyed the night before. And cast yourself upon him for the day which follows. Familiarize yourself so consistently to this that your conscience may check you When common thoughts shall first and true. In other words, if you wake up and you're worried about all the other stuff, make this such a habit in your life that your conscience will stop you and say, Hey, wait a minute. You better think about how thankful you are and think about all that God has done for you. Listen to this statement. Think of the mercy of a nice rest and of how many people that have spent that night in hell. How many in prison, how many in cold, hard lodgings, how many suffering from agonizing pains and sickness, weary of their beds and of their lives. Think of how many souls were that night called from their bodies, terrifyingly to appear before God. And think how quickly days and nights are rolling on, how speedily your last night and day will come. Observe that which is lacking in the preparedness of your soul for such a time and seek it without delay. See, hell's a real place. But guys, thankfully, we have another option. We have another choice. Jesus in John 14 said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If we were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said something very important, guys. Lock in on this. Jesus said, I am the way. Exclusively the way is what the word means there. I am exclusively the truth. I'm exclusively the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, a preacher, we don't believe that anymore. We believe as long as you're sincere and you believe in this religion or that religion or, you know, new age, whatever it is, as long as you're sincere, somehow you'll, you'll make it to God. Can I tell you something Freddie Gage said years ago? Eternity is too long to be wrong. You want to risk that? You want to risk Denying what this Bible says that was written by different men that never knew each other. A lot of them never knew each other over hundreds of years, and it still has a consistent story. It still talks about Jesus from the beginning to the end of it. You want to risk saying, I don't believe that. I don't believe it's true. If you're wrong, it's a long time to be wrong. There's no changing it if you're wrong. If you're wrong. And the Bible teaches you can know right now, today. Because in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may, what's the word? That you may hope you'll find out after you die. Too late to change it then. That you may know that you have eternal life. You can know today. You don't have to live with a question mark over your life and a question mark over your eternity. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would deal with each of our hearts this morning, deal with mine, deal with each person here. While we like to ignore the reality of hell, your word... Your living word, your son, your written word, the scriptures tells us that there's a real place of eternal punishment. And all who reject you, all who reject the gospel, all who reject Christ, spend eternity there. Whether we like the message or not, that's what you tell us. Father, if there's someone in this place that doesn't know Christ as Savior, God, I pray you speak to them immediately, right now, that your Holy Spirit would convict them and help them to understand that their only hope is Jesus. Help them to admit, to repent right now of their sin. Admit and agree with you that they're a sinner and they can't save themselves. And give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. And Father, for all of us that have done that, God, give us a renewed vigor, a renewed dedication, renewed commitments this morning to reach our one, to reach our family members, to reach our friends, to reach strangers, to reach enemies even with the gospel. Father, help us to make those types of commitments today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just before we sing, I want to get your attention. Please listen closely. Last week, and sometimes it happens at other times, <laughs> I'll ask myself after the invitation is over with, did they hear what I said? I almost stopped the invitation on Father's Day in the middle of it and ask you, did you hear what I said? Because I said something similar that I want to say with more clarity today. If you don't know Christ, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, please come today and don't put it off. But that's not the main thing I want you to hear. If you want to make a renewed commitment today before God and dedicate yourself to be more effectively sharing the gospel with other people, I understand you can do it back there. I'm still old-fashioned enough to believe sometimes it helps to come up here and kneel because you have made a move. In some way, you have come forward, and other people have seen it. And I'm not wanting you to do it to make me happy this morning. But honest, folks, I don't think any of us can say where we are and where we should be in sharing the gospel. And I want to challenge all of you that know Christ as your Savior. Make some type of move. Come and kneel. If you can't kneel, come and sit here at the front. Make some type of move, surely in light of the reality of hell. Guys, we will take it serious and tell God we want to do a better job being His witnesses, sharing the gospel, than what we're doing now. Please stand. If God speaks to you, we invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day3Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day3Church. Experience a new day in your life.